0: the parlor I like this mode of money and your story some crazy dog I said make a movie behind the parer I work from playing sports to exotic whips you gotta tellmmy dog I know I'm the scene behind the I like this mode of money and journey story some crazy dog I said make a moving behind the baller I went from losing Zach to this podcast now I finally that on the la behind the yo 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 what up guys um voices is down a little bit but we are here we are here y'all World famous, the award-winning Behind the Baller podcast. Yeah, guys, live and direct. Sorry, it's a little bit late. As uh, some of you may or may not know from Twitter, um, I obviously still have no Instagram. This is bullshit. Uh, Instagram has confirmed that they've taken down my account for attempting to sell or gift cannabis, Just fucking bullshit. But, guys, once again, you are listening to the top-rated business podcast, number one in 19 countries, the Behind the Baller podcast. This is a Dust Brothers production, Miles Davis, Jordan Winter. Guys, I am your host, Ben Baller, not Ben Humble, also known as the Korean Liam Neeson. Um, Yeah, my voice is a little bit rough, a little hoarse, but we are not gonna stop this party. Today is Fan Appreciation Day once a month. And I feel like we could do this every other month, but once a month, we're gonna do fan questions. Make sure you pay attention so you don't ask the same questions. Um, but we're going to get into that. There's more questions than we've ever had in the history of BTB. And, uh, yeah, my voice is a little down, but it's all good. You know, ain't going to be too long of an intro. I want to get into the fan stuff and then talk about a few things. You know, uh, once again, thank you so much for all the birthday wishes and everything else. My birthday was very chill, very relaxed. We had a a birthday party, a small one, seven people at Dave and Buster's. And uh, I got to thank Dave and Buster's Corporation, Play uh, Corporation, my man Popeye Vasquez. He is a fucking just a G. Kids had a great time. It was, uh, it was a blast. I ain't going to lie to you. Low key. It was great. Loved Dave and Buster's. And um, it was just, uh, you know, just chilling with family. It was nice. Watched the football this weekend. All that good stuff. Um, you know, watched some shows. We'll get into that in a second. By the way, guys, not by, we didn't plan We've been wanting and we've been trying to find either a doodle or a Labradoodle. Only problem with my wife is, she has never bought any of our dogs and we have four dogs, right? I thought i have mentioned that before and people are like, I do not know you had a dog. We've always had dogs. Um, London's been allergic to dogs and we didn't know that. that's why we kind of chilled out. And even though they say that Yorkies are hyperallergenic, they're still like London's allergies are that severe. We had a dog for a very long time. Uh, It passed away a few years ago. Pee-wee, Nicolette's um, dog she's had since 2002. She adopted that. And we've always uh, either rescued or adopted dogs. By random chance, a buddy of mine, um, eight-time Olympic medalist, Apollo Ono, very good friend of mine, his wife messaged my wife and said, hey, um, we found a dog. It needs to be rescued. Um, Someone's fostering it right now. The owner was abusive, was beating it, was, uh, broke its paw, broke its penis. And I was like, God damn, like broke his penis. Like that shit just, uh, cutest fucking dog ever. We got a doodle. And I don't know if most of you guys know, the designer dog, these are like $4,000, $5,000 dogs. Um, big dog, always wanted a big dog. It is the cutest fucking thing. I'm like in love. Very, very timid, very scared. Um, but the kids love him. He's going to go on, you know, on our RV trips with us and everything. And yeah, you know, I travel a lot. But if we go somewhere far, you know, we always have family around that could watch him. But uh, the new dogs are, are not really fond of him because, you know, they're, they're jealous. But yeah, we named the dog Biggie Smalls. So, you know, he's uh, seven months, still a puppy. It's a uh, house trained for the most part. Knows a couple things here and there. But he's very, very, very scared of men. Women, no issues. The kids, loves them. Men, just terrified of them so he's trying to warm up to me but yeah we got a new dog so the yang gang got a new dog he is uh big time love it love it like a motherfucker now um my gold toaster dropped today so i don't know what happened uh, you know obviously with instagram being down and everything else a little difficult to promote it and push it network does all that but the reason why it does well is because i could push it on certain things but i haven't had my instagram account now for just over two weeks which is kind of fucked up but uh I don't know if it's available. We didn't make a whole lot of them. If the Gold Toaster is still available, check out the network app. For those of you who did purchase, appreciate you like a motherfucker. You know, for the most part, my weekend was real chill. Um, the birthday party was uh, only supposed to be uh, like two hours or so, but it ended up being like three and a half or something. But it was real chill. But, uh, you know, um, gotta say happy birthday to my bro, Kid Cuddy. Scott's birthday was on Saturday and um, we had a party. Oh, he had a party, Sorry. Saturday night, and it was uh, it was nice to get out. You know what I mean. He had like the COVID testing at the door, rapid testing, everything. But everyone that was there was vaccinated, so it was a cool thing. And uh, I was making sure everything was safe. I've never been to a party that was that. First of all, house incredible, and then um, he had a crazy ass blunt joint bar, and it wasn't like you just you know go there and have a joint. There was there was like tons of great weed, and you know me being a weed snob, him being cutty though. You know he's not gonna smoke no bullshit. Amazing weed you can grab a fucking quarter ounce. You could probably grab even more if you wanted to. It wasn't like that, but his chef has always, for the last three or four years, been cooking the, the most illest shit. He had this deep fried filet mignon with this fucking potato ball, like the portals, but it was better and just so much good food there. And it was just crazy. Um, obviously, I'm not gonna talk about the people that were in attendance, but the people I could say, you know, I mean, I, I got to sit down, chop it up with uh, with Jaden Smith. Uh, me and Jane, were talking about Tesla shit. And he was telling me all the stories that, you know, he chops it up with uh, Elon and stuff. And um, it was just good to see all the old homies, get to see, you know, Dot uh, making jokes about my boy, Chip the Ripper, obviously Dennis, all, all the CUD fam, um, got to really chop it up deep with my boy Ty Dollar Sign, it's been a minute. I know Ty for like, fuck, like 13 years or so, since way, way back. Didn't even realize that Ty was almost 40 years old and that fucked me up. And, um shit i can't even talk about that but yeah it was just cool it was it was dope i got to uh, get you know get to see my boy brian greenberg um obviously him and cuddy run how to make it in america together you know ran some other homies actors and stuff and it was just a good vibe man It always is man cud's always like it's just like such a loyal dude he's talking about how he's really loyal in some ways i almost feel bad not like i don't want anybody to feel like they just need to stay super like i'm i'm a fluid person you know But, uh, you know, I pulled up there late It was a late thing And I ended up staying way later than I thought I'd stay And there was like, no, not that there would be any drama But it was just all good vibes Just good people, everyone just chilling You know, bar My boy Jesse Marco was the DJ Was playing all classic hip-hop shit I walked in, he was bumping group home Then went into Brand Newbie And I was like, oh shit, okay all right, yeah, yeah, We, we, we doing it righteous this time And it was just good vibes, man It was lit and I was just thinking, like you know, I couldn't fucking imagine being in a nightclub right now. It'd be the worst fucking possible place to be. But yeah, man, happy birthday, Cud, fellow Aquarius. um That was definitely a, a memorable evening. It was a uh, good times for sure. Good times, man. What else is there before we get into fan questions? Oh, you know, this last week, I've been thinking. Look, man, love the Santa, love the Porsche, love all that shit, but. Want something different, like you know, the center sits in the garage. I mean, I drive it when, when I drive it, it tries. I just don't have a lot of places I can take it now. You know, you valet a four hundred thousand dollar Ferrari, cool. You valet some other things here and there. It just becomes a little different when you valet a hyper car. You bring it somewhere. It's just not exactly the same thing to park it on the street somewhere. Like you have to be watching it to a certain level because times are different right now. And you know, you're talking about a car over a million dollars. It's drama. So I've been like, you know what? do I want a Liberty walk a car, you know, 360 Ferrari, maybe 430. You know, I was even thinking about NSX. I didn't know. And I was like, you know what? I think it's time to jump into a fucking Godzilla, man. It's time to jump into a JDM car. So I'm talking to my boy, Mark, um, tarot And he's, um, he's got a really sick R34, like one of the most beautiful ones. It's like a $400,000 motor X car, right hand drive, gorgeous. And back even before Fast and Furious, like right when Fast and Furious, the first one started, you know, um, I had some friends who worked at Super Street, import business and stuff. And Paul Walker was working with one of my boys named Mark there. He worked at Motorex. Motorex is the only place in the entire United States of America that imports Skylines. And there's currently like less than 20 Skylines in the country that are legal. Um, They're the only ones that can really do it. Now, you could do it and have to deal dealer plates and deal with some drama. But the crazy part is in two years, they're going to be legal to bring over here. So this is actually a great investment. So I'm thinking about it. I found one not that far. It's in Van Nuys, California. Black, gorgeous. Only thing is these motherfuckers might hit close to a million dollars pretty soon, which is kind of crazy, right? So I've been thinking about that. Not really a birthday gift. You know, I don't really think about shit like that. But it was just, um, I don't know. Something I was thinking about. And uh, everyone's talking about this Joe Rogan situation with Spotify. Look, behind the ballers on Spotify. A lot of people listen to Spotify. Um, Jordan Winter, aka one half of the Dust Brothers, aka one quarter of the captain's picks. He's been vocal about, you know, Joe Rogan's opinion on, on COVID and things like that. And I watched a little video he posted, right? And Tom Green, you know, used to be super famous. He's has uh, been on the podcast. He's really promoting the, the message that Joe sent. Now, I think Joe Rogan's, I, like, like I never saw the guest that went on there and said certain things that he said. Um, he's obviously you know the biggest podcaster in the world. He makes you know 30 something plus million dollars a year just off his show. Um, I want to get on the show. It'd be fucking awesome. But what's funny is I see the narrative in certain things, right? I see the false information from certain sides. I see certain things of how they say things. Now, when he said in his video, he said, Oh, if you said cloth masks don't work, you'd be banned or whatever, you'd be canceled. Motherfucker, I said cloth masks don't work. I said that from February second, two thousand twenty. Fuck is you talking about? You know what I mean? Like at the very least, have a surgical on that motherfucker. Have a can ninety five has something. I've been saying that. Now, with the vaccines, you know, I didn't go in thinking that I was, you know, going to be superior and it was going to be the most effective certain things. You know, with what I knew, with the information I knew, I knew, look, man, shouldn't let my guard down still. But if I did, I should be okay. You know, depending on how long I've had it, whatever. And like I said, I went to that kid cuddy party during Met Gala, and COVID was in the building. It was a motherfucker in there. You know what? I was fully vaccinated. I was in a closed room. Me and my wife, it was the most dangerous situation. It was crazy. Didn't get shit. Now, what they don't say is, and what people never want to argue about is the fact that, yes, there's that, um, what is it? Is it myocarditis? I forgot how you pronounce it, but the, the heart disease thing. I didn't really get into that, so I won't speak on that. But I will speak on the fact that still to this day, we're in the 90 percentiles, mid 90s, where there's really almost no deaths from vaccinated people of COVID, you know, or Sorry, complications of COVID. Fuck out of here, man. So, you know, it's a, it's an interesting thing. The way that Joe replied, it was as good as you could reply for a podcast with his level. He said a, a story about Neil Young because, you know, Neil Young is uh, threatening to get off the platform, wanted to be out, out of Spotify. They took him off. Spotify is, you know, look, on a business level, they've paid him insane amounts of money, right? They have to protect their investment regardless. Like they would be out, You know, I mean, literally, it just doesn't make sense on a business level, even if you didn't agree with them, right? There's people who sponsor me, like, for instance, Captain Morgan. They may not necessarily agree with the fact that, like, I own a cannabis business, whatever, but they've promoted the fact that they love the fact that I'm unapologetic, and I love that about them. That's why this is one of my favorite partnerships I've ever had. Now, he also danced around the shit. So, like, look, man. At the end of the day, a lot of people are not very smart. You know, like you got Trump doing this rally and he's telling people that Mike Pence should have fucking threw over the election. the, the he, he said that um, if he's elected and, and he wins in 2024, that he's going to pardon all the people that got arrested on January 6th. Then he also even said if he gets indicted that we should, you know, do a civil war and riot. like that right there, like, you know, fucking, this is not even about being a Republican anymore. This is by him going against the constitution. This is just, I'm just saying one of the easiest things to do is manipulate stupid people. So that's where it is. I'd like to think that most of the BTB army, if not all you guys are somewhat, you know, very smart. There's a dude who listens to this show religiously, Will uh, from the Bronx. I think he lives in Sacramento now. He's actually called me out on some things sometimes, right? And we'll have a discussion about things right? Whether I have a a call. And it's like, look, for the most part, if I was just spewing bullshit, you know, motherfuckers would be just out of here. You know, they'd be like, don't fuck all that bullshit. You know, we ain't letting Ben slide with this one, whatever. At the same time, there are some haters out there that just don't give a fuck and they'll just follow because they're just miserable, you know? But I want to say this to anybody who's out there trying to find success, whether you're going to be a banker, a teacher, a coach, you know, Entrepreneur, pro athlete, rapper, singer, it doesn't matter what you are. For anybody who wants to achieve success in any type of form, okay, you need to find balance and you need to stay balanced no matter what. So if it's 90% of the time you fucking, you acting crazy here and there, whatever, that means you need, you know, 120% rest. Because if you don't, you're gonna fall off. If you're out there, acting while You always need your downtime. You need the motherfucker on there. And it sucks. Sometimes you can bring people with you. You got to take care of your people. Some people ain't going to be the stars. They got to be a Robin. Some of the people ain't going to be a Robin. That's going to be in the cut. They're going to be your wingman, right? You got to take care of your henchmen, right? Be respectful. Be mindful. There are people out there that work just as hard as you. They weren't as lucky as you. And at the very same time, it's not always luck. So just keep balanced. I wanted to say that before we get into these fan questions. But yeah, man, uh, let's get into these fan questions. And uh, of course, man, you know I got some sponsors. So we'll be right back, y'all. Guys, you know me, Mr. Positivity. Keep the new year positivity going. Audible has created a destination for complete well-being that delivers. Inspiration, encouragement, and actionable steps, no matter what your goals are. At audible.com slash wellbeing. Audible editors have curated a range of titles featuring experts in a wide range of self-care and self-development categories, from mastering your emotions and improving relationships to getting in shape and finding more success at work and at home. Among the listens are brand new titles from some of the most inspiring original voices in genre, including best-selling self-help expert Mel Robbins, who returns with a new podcast called Here's Exactly What to Do. Coach Pamela has created Mastering the Skill of Reinvention, which can help you turn the life you dream of into the life you live. Renowned music producer and performer major who offers major frequency a revitalizing journey into the healing power of music listening opens up a world of opportunities for discovering insights wherever you are and these titles can give you the confidence and motivation you need to build the life you deserve audible.com/wellbeing It's the beginning of a new year, so there's never been a better time to get back into shape. But between balancing work, family, and life in general, it can be hard to make fitness a priority. That's why I use FitBot. FitBot's innovative algorithm learns about your goals and training abilities and crafts a personalized training regimen that's unique to you. Start the year off like me, with 25% off a FitBod membership. Whether you exercise three days a week or twice a day, every workout is scientifically proven to be better than the last. FitBod even tracks your muscle recovery, balancing your workout plan with a variety of exercises to avoid overworking certain muscles. FitBot is super easy to use and even has a brand new HD video tutorial to make learning new exercises a breeze. It integrates with your Apple Watch and apps like Apple Health, Fitbit, and Strava. Personalized training can be tough on a budget, but FitBot is only $12.99 a month or $79.99 a year. That's $12.99 a month. Kick the new year off right and get started on your customized fitness plan from Fitbod. Get 25% off a membership when you sign up now at fitbod.me slash baller. That's 25% off your membership at fitbod.me slash baller. Life is short and um, life insurance is really important life insurance especially term coverage which is surprisingly affordable why not pay a bit each month to protect the ones that you love if you're asking yourself this question choose ladder ladder is 100% digital no doctors no needles no paperwork when you apply for three million dollars in coverage or less You just need a few minutes and a phone or a laptop to apply. Ladder's smart algorithms work in real time. So you'll find out instantly if you're approved. No hidden fees. Cancel any time. Get a full refund if you change your mind in the first 30 days. And ladder policies are issued by insurers with long proven histories of paying claims. They're rated A and A by AM best. Finally, since life insurance costs more as you age, now's the time to cross it off your list. So go to ladderlife.com baller today to see if you're instantly approved. That's L-A-D-D-E-R life.com baller. Ladderlife.com baller. All right, y'all. This is a different type of fan questions. We're not doing it for reviews. We're not doing it on that. We're not doing it to the behind the baller email. I was just like, look, let me find a separate thing. Let's get this going. There are a shit ton of questions. I'm going to get to as many as I can. When it hits a certain point, we might you know, use them for a different episode uh, next month, whatever. But Mosewood, I guess uh, Eric Mosley writes, I got into Dogecoin pretty early. I was up $19,000. I've been really depressed seeing where it is now and chose not to look at it. I don't plan on touching it there. uh, What's there now? But I'm saving new equity to make a new investment. What do you think about these NFTs? And do you think it's realistic to invest in them? If I can, I ask this because I think the market is too large. I don't know what to think about them, honestly, but I do watch many videos of people explaining them. Um, Thank you, Eric Mosley. Uh, Eric, you could watch a million videos. Is that going to give you knowledge, man? At this point, again, there are literally, I've never seen anything like it in my entire life. And I don't care if, you know, of course, because Gary Vee's been grandfathered and he talks about it and whatever. And, um, you know, he's, he's good at focusing on that, right? Uh, I know there's a lot of celebrities that are doing marketing with NFTs. There's just so many NFTs to jump into. Now, if you could whitelist, if you can get in, in the community. I'm already dealing with my blockchain situation in my community when I have limited access to the community and things like that. So it's not something you do want to jump into. You know, I don't know what kind of money you're playing with or what kind of money you have, but, you know, there are other things you can mess with as far as stocks. There's still crypto you could obviously get into. You know, of course, I I have, you know, the top four pretty much besides Doge, I have, you know, a shit ton of Doge, which, you know, I mean, of course, I'm in a different position than you. Depressed? You know, I try to think about it. You know, that's, that's the only thing I could say. But as far as like other things, like business opportunities, you know, things are gambles, man. You know, I invested into an app, invested into, you know, a guy's business, a girl's business, sorry. And, uh, you know, obviously I own real estate. So those are the safest plans that, you know, as far as, you know, that goes, as far as the NFT game, man, again, it's all about how strong your marketing is. You know, how many, you know, again, celebrities are pushing it or whatever, you know, everyone's celebrity, this famous, this, and it's like, I know sometimes I make fun of the YouTubers or the the non-traditional celebrities or whatever it may be. But at the same time, like, look, you know, my platform is just based off me being me, nothing else. So, you know, continue to hold uh, Dogecoin, pivot and other, you know, crypto if you can. But NFT game, if you're, you know, you want a whitelist on a super hot, but, you know, again, it could be the super hottest shit. Might not work. I don't know. I was just telling somebody the other day, I had an artifact, uh, Jeff Staple, you know, NFT gifted to me, and um, you know it dropped whatever. And I got that shit in fucking February last year, or it's like March or something. That motherfucker just took off recently, and people are like, you know, tripping on some shit with with my NFT, which I have no nothing to do with. The, you know, any of the smart contracts or the background stuff. But like, it's been like two months or so. That shit took eight, ten months, and the motherfuckers are like, I don't know, eighteen ETH floor. I don't. I, They're at something crazy. So good luck with you, bro. I hope that answered a little bit. I just, I wouldn't go in there just, you know, like saying like, oh, fuck it. Eyes wide shut. Let's go. Um, but thank you, Eric. I appreciate it. Julian Rizzo writes, what's up, Ben? Long time listener. I know you got into your bike life stories. Still waiting on a full pod on that era. Anyway, what is your favorite bike you've owned and what's your favorite bike you've ridden? Thanks again for all the free game. All love. J Street out of the 661. Um." Let me just answer the question instead of getting into stories, because then would just be forever and ever, right? Favorite bike I ever owned was probably my 2004 Hayabusa. That motherfucker was lowered. It had, you know, Yoshimura uh, exhaust, full exhaust system. It, um, I had uh, dropped, you know, one tooth on the sprocket in the front. I went up in the back a little bit. It was just sweet. It had enough chrome. It was just, it had a lot of carbon fiber. It Had the best of everything. It was solid. I ended up throwing that bitch around like it was a 250, you know, dirt bike. Now, as far as the favorite bike I've ever ridden, you know, I'm not a big fan of V twins, but I had a 999R Ducati and I didn't like the way it rode until I understood the bike. And I was like, wow. Between that and my 2005 Yamaha R1, those are probably some of my favorite bikes that I've ridden because it just felt so free. Like the R1 was such a, it was such a different feel from even, you know, from, I didn't really have a lot of experience riding Kawasaki's. Last time I had a Kawasaki was in 1990, 1990, fuck. It was like right around then, you know, so it's been a long time. Uh, Most of my bikes have been uh, um, Yamaha and Suzuki. Um, Sue Goat writes, what's up Ben? Day one listener here. I'm a motorcycle rider here in LA. I know you said you used to ride a Gixxer. What are your favorite roads to take a ride on? It doesn't have to be in LA. Also, where'd you get that brown fleece jacket from? Looks like Patagonia. I don't think it is. What are the chances of people asking for the bike shit? Um, you know, I had a real great ride in Virginia Beach. Did Bike Week back in 04, 05, When we were, this is, yeah, no, it was after Biker Boys. when We shot Biker Boys. I forgot what year that was, but 2001. Um, had a Jixxer. Had three Jixxer 1000s. Had a 600. Uh, had a 750 way back in the day. My favorite roads to ride on, to believe it or not, I mean Ortega Highway's the shit, obviously. Uh, Angeles Crest, in you know in LA, is dope. Uh, Malibu Canyon stunt road, all that, it's fun, and, and y'all you know, just miss all those times. But there's something about Tilden, riding up in the Berkeley Oakland mountains. That's where I had some of my greatest rides ever, man. And as far as that brown fleece jacket, that is UGG. I think it was like 200 bucks or something. It wasn't price bad. It was actually one of my favorite jackets. Still is great jacket, man. Thank you, Sue John Magkawas writes, I've been in the movies lately, movies that involve gangs, prisons, or cops. I guess because my mom worked at a prison and she would tell me some crazy stories. My question, what are your top five prison or gang movies? Happy Bladed Birthday. Um, damn, man. When it comes straight to prison or gangs, look, I know some of the homies, like especially my boy Mr. Cartoon, he hates the movie because he feels like they put a lot on it. But I fucking love Blood in, blood out, you know, bound by honor. That movie is just, I've watched it so many times. It's like I fucking just love that movie. Um, obviously American Me was a fucking great movie. Uh Undisputed was a great prison movie. Not related to gangs or anything. I'm trying to think of what gang movies are there. I mean, there's mafia you know, gang movies, but you're talking about I'm talking about probably you probably mean more street gangs, right? I didn't like South Central, didn't like that movie that much. Boys and Hood was great, but it was still a Almost a, it was like a PG-13 version of the hood. It was, it was what it was, right? Um, but there was some real shit because they were on the Shaw and everything. John Singleton tried to get as much as he could. But Men's Society is the closest we're gonna get to like real gangbang type, you know, real street LA shit. Um, that's just off the top of my head, you know, those are all pretty typical. Uh Boulevard Nights. Amazing movie. I don't know if, you know, as for like real dudes who are, you know what I'm saying, from La Raza and uh, real, you know, Hispanics that know what time it is. That's old school, old school. But it's weird, man. No one's ever really did a movie that was just straight based on that type of shit. You know, I even like SWAT, which kind of had a little bit of jail, had a little bit of gangs, had a lot of cops. But, uh, yeah, it's a trip, man. Thank you, John. All right. What was your workout routine when you played college sports? We would you say it was natural skill? you had to put a lot to get into where you was a college athlete? Um, before actually starting two day camp um, at Cal, I was at Gold's Gym Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. I took Saturday off, and even on Sunday, I would at least do a light jog. I would go in the gym, and they would give me. They gave me basically back. This is you know nineteen fucking ninety one. They gave me a list of things I had to do as far as how to get bench. You know, like for instance, it wouldn't be like pyramids. It'd be like literally a list of reps. Like, okay, you know, on today, you're gonna start here. First day, boom. All right, what's your max bench? Okay, 225. All right, you're gonna bench press. Uh, you're gonna start off with 145, you know, two plates, or 135, two plates. Start that way off with 10 times, right? And then go to like 155 and then do that eight times. Then go to six and go to boom whatever, and do like five reps of that. Then there'd be leg workouts and everything else. Then obviously I would get on the football field and I would try to get with anybody who I knew. That was, um, well, a couple guys I knew. One of my boys was a quarterback, someone else. And I would try to run, you know, um, routes necessarily just just to get my hand-eye coordination correct. But, you know, I played DB, so it was different. But it definitely was a lot of strength. The thing is, I wish I had more guidance, you know, as I was, you know, playing ball. I wish I had... Like in 2008, 2009, when I got into the best shape of my life, I wish at that point I had my you know, 18, 19, 20-year-old body because it was a different thing as far as playing basketball because you know how to play basketball so fucking much. And the thing with basketball is I realized when I was lifting a lot of weights, anytime I lifted any kind of heavy lifting like football, it got real weird because it would throw my shot off. So, I mean, once we started school shit man we're working out in the morning 6 a.m six thirty, and then we work out in the afternoon so it was like fucking crazy you know it was literally during the season we're working out so much and then the transfer to basketball is a whole different thing for my body when i was watching the last dance and i was listening to michael jordan's trainer he's talking about baseball and how to train it for this i wish i had somebody because i didn't know the difference you know i'm just out there like let me just get strong let me just get fast so i was like you know it took a while for me to adjust uh thanks again lca brawl i don't know if it's LaCal brawl or el cabral i don't know sam pulsen writes what's up ben It's finally agreed to meet you at burners merced and signing my t-shirt and i was wondering what was that hk collab supposed to be and was it ever going to happen uh the hk collab and i was like hong kong no heckler and coach right heckler and actually you know the funny thing is dude from hk told me it's called heckler and cock and i was like bro i'm calling that no one calls that motherfucker cock right and it was like i guess what is a german company or something it was supposed to be a fully iced out Black Diamond HK, and even not fully. I'm sorry, like the top slide was iced out, and other parts of it. And even with Black Diamonds, this thing was gonna be like 35, 40k for a fucking gun. And I was like, man, y'all trying to just you know go viral like this ain't really you know what I had planned because I had this LWRC thing I'm still planning and we're still talking about. But uh, yeah, that was that was what the HK class was supposed to be could still happen. I never really, you know, proceeded because that was just like such a crazy price. Like who's going to buy a $35,000 gun in the pandemic right now, right? Thanks, Sam. Fan questions. Day one, BTB Army from Rick Ruiz. Yo, man, listen to every episode. I'm 20 years old from Hawthorne, California. If you had $10,000 to invest in crypto, what would you put it in? All in ETH, BTC, Solana, ADA, or spread it out. Obviously, not financial advice. I do not mind a hodl for a while or care if it goes to zero. Also, the real BTB army needs the next two-hour-plus K-Ton Hustler episode. Um, Rick, 20 years old, bro, and you've been listening to this shit since you were 18. That's crazy. Thank you so much. As far as 10K to put into crypto, um, I have a good amount of money in ETH, Right. And you know it dropped. Obviously, it was average, right around like you know high threes or the fours, and then dropped down to like the twos, right? Now it's picking back up. As of the moment of this podcast at twelve noon, um, Monday, January thirty first, you know it's right at like twenty seven hundred, and I feel like it'll creep back up. Remember, my average price buying it was nine hundred, so you know I think this would be a good time to get into ETH. Bitcoin's right at thirty eight and change, almost thirty nine. Feel like it's gonna kind of keep going, so it's kind of tough. Plus, you know you won't actually, even though it's good, it's smart. I feel like. Not owning an entire Bitcoin sucks. So, you know, uh, I mean, ETH is good. I think, you know, if you want to play with a little bit of Solana, you know, cool, nothing crazy. And I know it's not advice, it's just what I have my money in. Okay. But at least with ETH, you know, you could have three ETH or almost three ETH. You know what I'm saying? And and like, I don't know from there and, and you know, keep building. But uh once again, thank you, Ricky, and I will try to get on the K-Ton Hustler episode. Raymond Jones writes, What's good, man? I'm sick. I couldn't come down from Fresno to meet you and get a handshake and show love, but I'm glad other people did because you deserve it for real. My question is, I'm moving to Seattle in a few months and I want to open my own aesthetic med spa where we use cannabis infused products. What's the best way for me to find investors? I have 10K capital, but I know that's not nearly enough. Damn Raymond, I'll be honest with you. Two, three years ago, med spas were the biggest thing. They are still very huge because women are getting Botox, they're getting their nails, they want to get all this stuff and it's a big thing as far as using cannabis infused products, you know, obviously amazing so you're not using like, you know, necess- you know like regular pharmaceutical type shit, um I wouldn't know where to start on that part, but as far as finding investors, um you know, uh what's that startup uh, what the fuck Kickstarter? You know, I know three people who've actually done that and just because people saw the idea, people believed in it, you know. As far as uh I don't know where you live now, but I'm gonna have to be real with you, man. People investing on the internet without seeing anybody, without a strong, strong cosign, bro, you're gonna have to go in and like see somebody. You know what I'm saying? You have to go handshake people and push your, your idea and um try to get people to invest. The only thing is, you know, 10K is definitely not gonna do it, bro. You know, I mean, I would suggest you obviously build your credit up because you need to sign a leash, you need to send some certain things, but you're gonna need you know, a good six figures to get this thing going and then you're going to need money to promote it. So good luck, bro. Um, shit. Oh, that's right. You're from Fresno. My bad. Uh, I guess Seattle would be better for that because I can't see not distant Fresno, but you know, Seattle's very into, um, homeopathic, uh, you know, natural medicines and things like that. They're a big cannabis state. They're obviously, you know, recreational state, but, uh, Raymond, I wish you the best of luck, dog. I wish I had better, um, ideas for you to find an investor. I don't think social media is the best place to be like, hey man, you want to invest in the company? I I think it's really just trying to find people out there and um, get a business manager. That's another thing too. My business manager has obviously done a lot of um, um, wrangling and found me some great investors for certain things. Patrick Rockenbach. Uh, Hey man, we all know you love streaming movies. If you could only have one service, Netflix, Hulu, et cetera, what would it be and why? Patrick is a great dude. It's from, uh, not Baldwin, where the fuck's he from? Um, 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 Whittier, good guy, Dodgers fan, LA dude. If it came down to all those, now I know the good thing is, you know, Netflix, once you pay, boom. Hulu, it's like there's most of it's free and then there's some that's not. Netflix, I just, you'll get a good series here and there and there, there are some great things on there to get wrong, but at the same time, like, I don't know. I, I feel like that's the one that I use the least. I think I use Amazon Prime the most. I just joined Apple TV recently. But Amazon Prime, I know I'm buying stuff. And there's a lot of good free streaming stuff. Their shows are A1 2 like Bosch's, one of the best fucking shows. Goliath, first season, incredible. And I'm sure there's more great shows I haven't got into. But Amazon Prime, because I built my library there, you know. I have all my movies that I had on DVDs and VHS and stuff. They're all, I can access them anywhere in the world, you know, um, sometimes when you don't download them, they're not available in certain countries. So I download as much as I can to certain things, but it would definitely be Amazon Prime, 100%. And Pat, thank you. You're just a fucking great guy, man. Charles Grant Grantham. Price, what up? Uncle Benny, BTB Army Lieutenant, checking in from South Georgia. Question, when are you going to drop the K-Town Hustler Series Part 3, man? Keep the free game coming and accept Doge for BBDBTBC. That'd be a good idea. We need some doge for the, for the mimology, the blockchain. K-Town Hustle series, man. All right. I'm going to go on a limb. I'm going to drop that shit before summer. All right. I know I've pushed it for fucking over a year, you know, close to two years. I'm going to put that bitch before summer. I got to think, I forgot where I stopped. Was it 04, 05? We'll get 05 to like 2012 or something. We'll get, we'll get it cracking. I appreciate you guys really uh, hungry for that shit. It's going to be crazy. Uh, This sounds crazy Platonic friends Jacob M. writes What's up Uncle Ben Appreciate you blessing us With this podcast Each and every week With a consistent game Question What game can you give me Give the dudes On having female friends And I'm talking about In your single days Was there a set of rules You followed when hanging out Paying for the meal Driving Buying gifts Etc And do you feel like There are any benefits For dudes having female friends Especially if they're Strictly platonic Uh, Thanks much love From the 619 I don't really understand your question. I mean, I do, right? But what are you trying, like, you know, like, why, why do you want to be friends with girls for on a platonic level? Why, why not just be friends in general, right? Like, it doesn't really matter with me. But in my single days, look, and I know it sounds, this is real graphic and, for, and I just only say this now because I think about the Joe Rogan things, I think about the young audience, I think about my friends who have kids that are 17, 15, 12, 11, whatever. Even my own son, London, he hears me cuss and whatever. But like, look, you never want to, even if you think about it, let's say you have a friend who's cute, right? I remember, uh, god damn, I don't want to say their names because they, truly might listen to the podcast. I know they've reached out to me recently. I think one of them is my friend on Facebook, but I was friends with two really pretty girls. They were roommates. They're both from the same state, um, like right in the middle of America. Beautiful, gorgeous girls. Like both these girls were beautiful. Army brats, mixed, cool. Um, I never, ever, ever crossed a line. One of them, we got shit faced one night and kind of, but not really. um, Never like, full blown like it, it was like a weirdo like almost felt like euphoria you know like how show just sometimes they either go for it and then sometimes they flirt with the shit look i'll say this never act on anything you know it's sometimes cool to have the mystery thing and just let it be you know um it's good to have people around you that like you i mean when i say like you like like you like even like you know people who have crushes on you you know it's 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 good for your ego man it's it's you know but at the same time if you ever break that rule and you, you, just because you pay for a meal or, you know, you go, I wouldn't get anybody that was platonic friends of mine gifts. it just, you got to be careful with that. Even when I was broke or had money, whatever, you just got to be real careful. You know, even obviously me being married and stuff and there's girls that I work with and shit. Like, you know, I could do little plugs here and there, but I'm not trying to get anybody a gift. You just always need to get the wrong idea. It could be a fucking, a bottle of fucking liquor. and be like, oh, why you get them liquor? You know, I just really got to be careful with that. But, What I'm trying to say is when you're an adult, okay? I say, look, after 25 years of age, even younger, it's kind of like, eh, whatever. But if you're an adult, if you kiss, you might as well as fuck, all right? You might as well fuck because what the fuck is you kissing for? Like, you know, it's like you ain't got to like, people say, oh, wait, blah, blah, whatever. It's like, either it's right or it's not right. You know, those girls who make you wait for certain things, all right, cool. But you're talking about a friend. What I'm saying is if you cross the line and kiss, like you're already going to fuck it up. So it, but at the same time, it's like a little peck, just be like, yo man, never happened. Boom. And don't act on it no more and try to be cool. But again, I, I don't really have any game, you know, about that. I do know that having those two girls around me, they brought more girls around me and gave me options to go out and have fun with other girls and have dates here and there. But I don't understand where the motivation is of why you want to just have girls who are platonic friends, unless um, look, gay guys have the fucking hottest chicks around them all the time, right? And I don't really care. You know, my wife has a bunch of gay guy friends, and I don't trip on that and whatever. And I remember one time I was meeting uh one of my wife's best friends, and uh, he slapped my wife on the ass. I was like, "Yo, I'm about to knock this dude out," and I realized, you know, I was like, "Oh shit, I didn't really know," but like, you know, I just you get to understand certain things, um. But yeah, you know, the rules are, you know, hug. I, I don't even kiss on the cheek and I just feel like, eh, and, and I know it's COVID now, but I'm saying like, you know, you don't need a hug, do anything more deeper than a hug. You can still love the fuck out of somebody and not want to have any type of relationship with them um, on a sexual level. I think about people sometimes when I was like, oh, damn, that girl's fine. It's here, boom. And that's it. You don't go any further than that. I think as I'm older now, like it's less, you know, I don't have that dog instinct that I had when I was fucking running around with Jonas and, you know, back in the day. So, you know, the only thing too is always respect the girl's boyfriend if she has one. And another thing too is, if he's tripping like that, man, dog, don't even like, like, yo, bro, you ain't got to ever be and like submit to this dude, be like, oh, I'm so sorry. but No, fuck all that. Be you, be respectful. But at the same time, don't let the dude like think like this. And, and don't ever get involved, no weirdo shit. And always understand this. Domestic violence is still, for the last 30 or 40 years, the number one call for police officers in America, all right? Mm -hmm. Nothing comes in between dick and pussy. Don't ever try to break up a dude and a girl talking, whatever it may be, arguments, don't take the sides, have some stuff in confident, you know what I mean, confidential, you know, talks maybe, but um, I would be very wary of anyone who tried to stop people who are in a situation. You can help certain things, but it's just one of those really bad, it's just a bad L. There's there's no win. It's fucked up. And uh, that's how I got shot. So yeah, man, you know, that's just one of those things. It just sucks. You don't want to see anybody get hit. You don't want to see anything like that. You know, and that's, in those situations, it's just like unfortunate. I pray to God that none of you guys ever have to be in that situation. But I think, you know, if you are a heterosexual man, treat the girl like you would treat the dude. Except hitting him in the nuts or whatever type of shit like that. You know what I'm saying? And just, there it is. You could learn a lot from a woman, bro. Especially a platonic one. Seriously. Like one who ain't playing games, man. By the way, thanks, Jacob. Josh, my dog from Seattle. Happy birthday, bro. Appreciate you. Fun question. You got to pick one game at Dave & Buster's to play someone for a million dollars. You picking skee-ball or pop a basketball or is there another game? What kind of question is that? Bro, you know I'm going to put speed of light, bro. I'm definitely, you know, I'm going to beat most of the wide receivers in the NFL off speed of light. Then your next question is, what advice would you give somebody who is likely to come into some serious stack of cash for the first time in their life? Think mid seven figures. I know that it's not a lot to you. The fuck are you talking about, Josh? It's a lot. But curious, what advice you would give that person? I already own an amazing house with 1M in equity and a credit score just under 800. No debt other than that. 300K a year income. Dabbling crypto. I'm not afraid to bet. But I wonder what I can retire with this type of payday. Age just a few years ago, behind your old ass. uh, um, Yeah, so Josh, man, you're a good dude. You know, if you had something like that in the mid-seven figures, especially where you are right now and how booming real estate is, I'm sure you know Thatch Nguyen, who's been on the podcast. Look, man, he has had some unbelievable success with multiple apartment buildings and rentals. Now, you buy these properties out, you have a management company, like you know, what is that? CBRM or whatever the fuck they're called, or whatever it is, CBRE or whatever it is. You know these companies, they take like ten percent to run everything, and then from there you don't gotta worry about. It. You ain't gotta be, you know, you ain't gotta sit there and collect rent from nobody, whatever. They handle all that shit for you. And to be honest with you, whether it be commercial real estate or these, when you own these buildings, that's one thing where I've noticed that I've been successful with. Even though my money's in other places, but my boy Paul, he's had even in the pandemic, he owned a duplex. He owned two duplexes and he owned a strip mall, and those alone were bringing him like 600k a year. Those three investments were bringing him 600k a year positive cash inflow. Look, dog, how much more do you need to work from 600k? That's you know that's a lot of money. By the way, congrats. Uh, I would obviously talk to you know a financial advisor. Um, my guy Suleiman, you know he's had me invest in some startups. And things like that. And I've already seen some stuff come up. But again, if you're even smart on some low risk, that's why I said the apartment buildings and like people always have to have somewhere to live, um you're gonna do good. Cause Thatch is definitely the guy who's trying to get like that positive income. Like, all right, well, boom, I got 60K a year coming from here. I got this. And he does that like 10 times. He got 600K, but he has like fucking 40 buildings. So think about all the money he's got coming in. Um, I know some guy who bought a place in Seattle for like 1.2 million and that thing's at 2.5 right now in a matter of a couple years, there's crazy real estate in the Pacific Northwest and, uh, God bless you, bro. Thank you again, Josh. Brian Q. Uh, what do you do daily? That gives you the success you are looking for? How do you plan to change what you do today to grow your business for the future? You know, Brian, man, uh, that that's a tough, tough question because right now I am putting out a lot of fires I got a situation currently right now that started right before Christmas where you know, the joy business is in not necessarily limbo, but we have so many things going on and that I'm kind of occupying a lot of times because I have this project with the NFL that I'm doing that's occupying a lot of time with there that I can't be at the retail store to manage that. Then on top of that, I got COVID. And then I lost my IG account recently, which is a big driving force to selling products and making money off of. So that kind of fucked me up, right? So there's a lot going on with that, and then, you know, my blockchain project, so, never take off more than you can chew, I was the type of person with definitely bite into four burgers, try to, and you really think about that, that analogy, and you can't digest your food, unless you chew it a lot of times, because if you don't chew really good, you're gonna have stomach aches, you're gonna have fucking, you know, fucked up, you know, shit coming out, whatever, you might have bad breath, because you have, you know, other things that were stuck in your teeth, honestly, I use that with life. You know, I told you guys on the podcast many times, you know, uh, your dental health or your oral health is a very good overall look at your general health. And I look at that in your mental area. Try to figure out one thing that you're good at and kill it. When you could stack that second one, do it again. You know, if you're only good at one good thing, you need to figure out a way to spawn off that. Now, what I mean is if everyone's going to look for gold and they're like, oh, shit, there's gold all these places right here. What the fuck am I going to do? Don't be the dude trying to go get the gold. Be the dude trying to sell the shovels. You know what I'm saying? Be the guy who's making the shovels so they could go dig for the gold. You feel what I'm saying? Does that make any sense? And I think the daily motivation of waking up and seeing my kids, I don't ever want to not see them happen anymore. And they're happy because I could spend time with them and because I can give them what they need. And, you know, it doesn't take a lot to give somebody love, you know, but time is very, very precious. So the better I am at life, the more time I have with my family. Thanks, BQ. Seji Iwaki, uh, like that name, from Japan. Ben, is it possible for you to get back on them turntables? Listen to the pot for a while, your accolades for jewelry, sneaker collecting, AR exec, designer, list goes on, all that. It's searchable in some capacity online, but we've never heard or seen you throw down on the turntables. It would be legendary to see you DJ in some way. I'm sure all of us fans would tune into that. DJ Premier X, DJ Ben, p 2 b Come on, that's legendary. Uh, you know what? It's such a different world now because no one really DJs with turntables anymore. Even turntable masters, like Homicide. Homicide is literally only using CDJs. Um, I don't own 1200s anymore. I don't own Serato. I'm sure I could go ahead and do some, but it'd be—I don't even know what, to, what, what you know, where it would start again? I'd have to figure out, get used to fucking, you know. Um, and it's not that tough to get back into scratching, but you know, mixing now and everything—it's all through Serato. So just like getting back onto that, it just feel like I don't know. It's weird, you know. It's like anyone can play records and blend records now because your BPM mixing in the way that that these mixes go—it's like it's literally cheating. Now, if you're talking about just going back to the OG shit, yeah, I don't know, man. <laughs> I barely have time to do, you know, things that I love, let alone something that was from the past. But I appreciate you guys looking up, you know, especially that that DJ shit was a big part of my life. Wandel uh, Real writes, what's up, Ben? This is Wandel Real from Wedwood City. I want to know if you thought about writing a book or someone have to write a book about your life because it's very interesting because you have accomplished American Dream and I look up to that. I'm also a father and I keep pushing P so that I can provide everything for him. Take care and much love, uh, Keep the podcast coming. Um, Redwood City. shot my boy, Shoe Surgeon. He's from the 707. Writing a book. I thought about it. And I got real serious about it like around 0, like 15, 2016. My boy Q was writing a book. And then he got me with the writer that was writing it. You know, he sit down ideas. And then, I know that sounds fucked up, right? There's not a lot of money in writing the book. And that's a lot of time that goes into writing a book. Even if it's a bestseller. Um... I think if anything, the movie should come out first. And right now, the crazy thing is, I have my boy Brian Greenberg actually working on trying to get my life story out on a TV series or a you know a life movie documentary type thing. So we're working on it, bro. And yeah, definitely, I've thought about it. You know, it's just it's got to be done right. Hi, Ben, Sal, Gar, uh, huge fan of the podcast. Always found your shoe flipping story interesting. Have you ever thought about having Jeff from Riff on the podcast? You know what? I've talked to Jeff about it. Me and Jeff talk so much. I talk to Jeff at least two, three times a week, right? Jeff, I gave Jeff my fucking uh, minivan. He's a good dude. I would have to think some really interesting conversations. You know what? I don't know why. We have thought about it. And Jeff's not really, he's like a shy dude. It's weird. And he's such a successful guy, smart. And he really did very well. And he's resilient as fuck. I definitely got to get my boy Jeff on the podcast. We got to think about that, man. And he listens to the show every so often. And um, we, we got to get him on the show, man. Jeff is a fucking, I would ask him some questions. He's he's a trip, man. Definitely shout out to my potty, Jeff from Riff. Andrew Kulishov writes Hey, Ben, how do you keep yourself accountable for things you must do? Sometimes it feels zero to none mental energy. Can't push myself enough to finish a job, to finish my list of do items. And being a tech entrepreneur it hurts most because ultimately it delays me from my success. However, here we are, some days become a waste, even though I work out every morning and usually brings me energy. I never really ask anyone for advice and motivation is uh, on my own life. I'm asking myself if I'm where I want to be. Obviously the answer is fuck no, but I feel like you and I have a lot in common and you are the only public persona I follow on social media. So I'll welcome any good advice from you per usual. Appreciate anything you have to share. I'm local in SoCal, hopefully come sometime at some point in life. Uh, Alex Kulishov. Hey, bro, listen. Thank you very much. I really... Uh, it's an honor that you follow me and I'm the only person that's um public figure whatever you want to call it. Tech entrepreneur. You know, you might fuck around and, and literally have a successful ice cream business one day. You may have a successful, you know, soccer-related uh, brand. I don't know. But as far as keeping yourself accountable for things that you must do, I... Every single day when I wake up, I have I look at my, my phone and my phone keeps everything. 6.30 a.m., I wake up. 7.00 a.m., I better have at least finished most of my coffee, okay? 7.30, I help my wife get the, the shoes on the kids. She's already got them fed and dressed. I got to kind of finish up the last things, boom, load them in the car, take them to school, right? All day long. I have something going on, 9 a.m. call here, 10 a.m. Zoom here, 12 p.m. podcast jobs, promote this here, all right, finish up thing at the store here, meeting here, and I have these things, right, and I assess, and this is where I'm at right now with my life, I look at my meetings and my day, okay, why do I gotta do this? So for instance, at 10 a.m., do I really gotta do the Zoom call? Yes, because my agent set it up and it could be potentially a big thing, and they don't even waste my time anymore, they know, they already do the the filtering and the pre-screening, before I even get in the call. So I look at my day and I look at the things that I have to do. And whether I have any energy or not, it's got to get done. Why? Because I know if I don't, I don't eat and I don't get to eat the way I like to eat and um, you know my kids don't go to school and all that stuff and everything, right? And some people say, oh, it's not that bad, blah, blah, whatever. I don't take second best for anyone. My bottom tier of acceptance is some people's out of reach. So... Try to keep it to two or three meetings a day. I don't believe in micro meetings. I don't believe in that bullshit. So they're like the fifteen little minute here and there chit chat, but that little shit, nothing happens. You know, it's all cap. You really got to think of what you're doing. Now you say you work out in the morning, and that gives you. It look, there's nothing wrong with that. That's probably the biggest negative, bad thing that is in my life right now is that I don't physically work out enough. All right. Now, as far as a tech entrepreneur, I don't know exactly what that means. Are you in apps? Are you in, you know, phones? Are you, what do you, what do you do? Um, you got to think, what is going to take you to the next level? All right. Is this meeting going to help me today? All right. It's not now you have to think about a goal. And I always look like, all right, I pretty much have everything I want. Right. But there's still definitely some things I need to hit. So is it going to take me to $25 million, by the end of the year, next year? Is it not? Is it going to chip away? Will this be $2 million to go there? All right, cool. Now, when I miss something and I fuck it up, bro, there is no three strikes, two strikes, whatever. If I miss that meeting, it didn't mean shit. So I'm not missing anything. So I held myself accountable to anything big because you know what? Even my agents that make 20% off of me, I know if I fuck off something, they don't get their paper. So I think about that. And you got to think more than you you know even if you're you are the breadwinner if you aren't the breadwinner i don't know what your situation is but you have to always think about everyone else that you're responsible for even though i'm very independent i still have other people that depend on me to make money so i can't sit there and fuck off their paper and that's what's most important and um you know you just you can't give up (laughs) noel isaac writes hey ben it's izzy born in 76 raised in the bay the Presidio, to be exact, now I reside here in SoCal, all your forest Gump, and even normal reminiscing stories about the Bay, hip-hop, et cetera, are like food for the soul, and I end up reflecting on my life experiences, just on a way smaller scale, but in similar nature. There will never be more hype, a more hype time than the late 80s to early 2000s. My question is, since the, this is technically a business podcast, can we have an episode on the art of DJing, since it's like your first entrepreneur move? Like, talk about the evolution of DJs and the difference between a Steve Aoki to a Q-Bird to AM and then even you. Heck, throw an even big boy in there. Since you are so well-versed in the industry, I think this would be an amazing episode. I was one of them high school DJs in the 90s using an old realistic mixer from Radio Shack for $88 and some Technique's SL22s because the 1200s were just too expensive for me. And if you want to take it to another level, maybe you launch video, you have one of your boy's guests, that would be Flames. Thank you for the amazing podcast, Never Stop the Real Talk, your life, knowledge, experience, are appreciated more than you'll ever realize, Izzy Isaac. Izzy Isaac, this is probably the best fucking idea I have ever heard for a podcast idea. And I just needed someone to fucking trigger the thought. be fucking great. I have so many people who I still am friends with from the Invisible Scratch Pickles, including Hubert, my boy DJ Mixmaster Mike, uh, Shortcut, my boy's Babu from the Beat Junkies, Mr. Chalk, uh, Melody, so many people I think there's those Then you got the DJs Like even Zach B Who's like a celebrity Regular DJ I am my boy Just Ski Got other people Then you can go to the EDM level Of Steve Aoki And my boy Afro Jack Think it has to be Maybe I discuss the whole Spectrum of DJing And then have like a series Where I invite you know A couple guys for you know Like 15-20 minutes And I do like three episodes Fucking amazing idea Izzy Isaac, thank you so much, and I appreciate it. Love the Presidio, man. And I love the movie, The Presidio. Gonna do like uh, three or four more questions. Taro California writes, what's your go-to thing to order at Bonchon Chicken, Um, Korean fried chicken? Much love, Mr. Yang. It was an honor meeting you at Berner's Merced. You know, I don't understand. Like, Bonchon Fried Chicken has like two things. You either order wings or you order like drumsticks, right? And there's like spicy levels or whatever. I mean, I order the traditional bonchon chicken, you know, I order the 20 piece and, um, I do extra, half extra spicy and then half medium, you know, and extra spicy is motherfucking spicy. Uh, and that's it. I don't know what else to say, man. You know, I wish they had French fries. Actually, some of them do have French fries, but just not Korean fried chicken. I haven't actually had it in about two or three years, man. I've been really chilling on that. Even though it's baked fried chicken, it's not as unhealthy as KFC, but thank you for coming to Berner's Merced as well. Movie recommendation in question from Will Odish uh, from the UK. Okay, that's what's up. Hi, Ben Baller. Happy birthday. I always hear you talk about, um, you like the film Bronson. Have you ever watched Chopper? It's kind of like the Australian version. Uh, question, me and my friend have just started a small frozen pizza company. We are growing quickly and need cash to step up to a level. Would you recommend getting a bank loan or try to get a venture capitalist, angel investors involved? Much love from the UK. Home doe. UK. if you want to check us out on Insta. Um, Look, Chopper is one of my favorite fucking movies and it introduced me to Eric Bana. When I went to Australia for the first time, I wanted to meet fucking Chopper. That movie was fucking crazy. Like, I know Romper Stomper and shit like that and everything, but Chopper is fucking, that movie was fucking nuts. And it, I think still Eric Bana's favorite, I mean, um, best work. It's fucking crazy. Like it was just, I'll never forget me and my boy Methamphibian used to watch that movie so goddamn much. It was incredible. As far as your pizza, frozen pizza company, sounds interesting. Sounds amazing. I think there needs to be more fucking companies out there. I don't know what they have in the UK as far as frozen pizza. Never really did a lot of grocery shopping out there, but DiGiorno's like, it's okay and whatever. Um, If you could get a bank loan and you think you have the marketing down, I I would do that, you know? But if you think you can, um, I mean, see, this is the thing. Bank loan, you feel like you have your own thing going on. You have more independence. You have more freedom. You don't have to worry about anybody or answering to anybody except the bank, right? When you get a venture capitalist or angel investors, there's also a good part to that. They might have people who could do the marketing. They're very smart at what they do and they can help you business-wise, especially in a business like this. It's really apples and oranges, bro. You know, pun intended. It's, it's, it's really, you know, it's a toss-up. I, at this point today... Depending on business I get into, I don't like having too many investors involved. You know what I mean? I want to be able to get in and do what I got to do. So I hope that helps, man. And congrats and good luck with your new company, Will. Christopher Lim writes, uh, who is the Asian lady that sits courts at every Lakers game next to Jack seats? I forgot her name. Um, I've sat next to her 20 times, a dozen times, more than that, so many times because, you know." My godfather Lou Adler, he has two seats. And then his best friend is Jack Nicholson. They have the two seats. They've been next to each other since the seventies. I sat in uh, all four seats sometimes where I sit and I sit next to the Asian lady. And the funny thing was one time I was eating a pretzel and I was talking to her and we had a conversation. Um, she speaks English, definitely has an accent, doesn't speak, doesn't say very much. She has like, you know, uses some old white ladies next to her and I spit, <laughs> I was high as shit. And I spit a piece of pretzel and I literally saw it go zero miles per hour, super slow. And it went in the air. I wish I had video right now so I could show you my, the thing. And it landed on her fucking leg. It was just so funny. She was wearing like black slacks and she like she has those glasses on. And I saw her eyeballs see the piece of pretzel project from my mouth to her leg. And it was just fucking funny. I know that sounded like the Joe Rogan, Neil Young story, but it was just fucking funny. I sat next to her a bunch of times. I think I've Googled it too. I forgot her name. We were friendly at a, at a certain point, but I don't know what the fuck she does. And I don't know. That's a kind of cool thing. You know, I just, I just let it be a mystery. I don't need to know. Sometimes I, I remember this one dude that was sitting everywhere. He was like the founder of Home Depot or some shit. And I don't fucking know. Sorry, man. I wish I had a better answer for you. Uh, Alexander Thomasik writes, Hey Ben, ever been to Germany or considered visiting? Greetings from Germany. Um, I have been to Germany 10 times at least. Love Berlin. I have my cousins live in Berlin. They've lived in Berlin forever. I was actually, if you listen to the podcast uh, early on, the Kate Honestler series, probably, I was in East Berlin before the wall went down. Um, I've been in Berlin pretty recently, uh, ever since he had Soho House there. Love Germany. Um, I just haven't had a chance to go back in a while. It's been, actually, it was a few years ago. It was definitely in the last five years, because um, Soho House has to be pretty new. Love Germany. And Scheiser. <laughs> For those of you who are German, you obviously know what Scheiser means. Fan question from the 310. Parker Vaughn writes, Mr. Baller, first and foremost, I hope you and Nicolette and the kids are doing well. This COVID shit is no joke. I know how careful you've been, so I've been bummed to hear that you finally came and got it. I knew immediately right then, saw the first post of your IG having body aches, and that time was a wrap. Any case, very glad that you and the fam have made it through without any major speed bumps. Um, My question for you is, as a man that wears many hats, and as someone that has found success across multiple platforms and careers, what is the strangest job you have ever had did you always have an end goal in mind Fuck, man what is the strangest job that i ever had i mean i don't know if there's two jobs i used to work at a place called dragon master in monterey park and they sold martial arts supplies and they also part-time had an arcade there and it was weird and they sold weapons and it was weird because there was like a gray area with, with knives and stuff and they were selling weapons. And I was a young kid working there. I was, I was kind of, actually no. I worked for four months passing out flyers for a restaurant. And I don't know if your end goal in mind relates to that, but there was no end goal. Now, the thing is every single person, and these are decent restaurants. They were like, you know, they weren't like CP Care Cheesecake. They were, you know, a level above those every person that brought back those cards, I'd get a hundred bucks. It was crazy, right? It's a lot of money. Sometimes they lose, but, but, and I would think like, you know, I didn't really try to market stuff and everything. And this was like during college. So it was like tough, but sometimes I would end up making like 1300 bucks. And I was, I don't know if you understand how much money that is, you know, cause it was kind of an expensive restaurant. It um, it gave me an end goal in, in mind. I was like, yo, look, like, I want to be the dude who's hiring people to get this and give them a hundred bucks. But I have, I have, you know, sometimes I'm like, you know, is there an end goal? I remember when I was selling drugs. Well, selling weed. You know, it's, it was considered drugs in, in, the, in the late 90s and 2000s while I was DJing. I thought about it. And um, towards the end of when I stopped really fucking with it on a big level, I remember Mr. Cartoon said, think about any drug dealer in history, the biggest from, you know, Pablo Escobar to anyone you could think of. Was there ever a happy ending? And that fucked me up because it's completely true. There was never a happy ending with selling drugs. So if anybody who you know listens to the podcast and you're out there trapping, just know, man, there's never been a good ending. And, um, you know, I've always had an end goal when it comes to anything recent, you know, like with the Ben Baller brand, you know, at the same time, I'm like, hey, let's let it live. And if it dies out for whatever reason, gracefully here and there, it's, I don't want anything to not have a success that I have control over, you know, so as far as me having control and not having like, you know, me having a majority ownership, sayership, that's different, you know? So anyways, thanks Parker for the question. Byron Lee writes, you said you didn't figure out life until age 40 on Twitter. What changed your mindset now? Then say at 30 years old, when did the light bulb come on? 30 years old, I was starting to kind of stack some paper already and I'd already been broke three fucking times. You know, so I was at a different place in my mind, obviously. You know, and, and I was like, all right, well, you know, what do I do now? You know, I'm like, all right, well, um, I'm not married. Cut out of a pretty semi-serious relationship. You know, it's just time to fuck. I was a different place. At 40, I'd already had my first kid. I was thinking about probably having a second soon. And um, I was uh, thinking about providing for my family. That changed everything at that point. Seeing my son sick at that time too, when I was forty, and going to the hospital, and seeing like, wow, man, this is this kid is carrying not just you know my DNA but my legacy. Like I need to make sure that this 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 is the prince, right? Like I never considered myself a king, but that was something where I was like, look, I got to protect him in every possible way. So yeah, man, that that was you know my my children changed my mindset, and just really understanding that you know at forty, you know it's middle age, right? Some people even say 50 years, but who lives to be 100? So it's such a rare thing. I mean, I feel like 85 is fair. And it's just like, I know I have less time to figure it out. And more than that, I have less time to really, you know, get where I want to get to, get what I need to get. You know, I do have a lot, I'm saying, and be able to focus on my retirement. And that's just basically what it was. It just, you know, I saw, saw the hourglass. I seen the sands running out, you know what I mean? I'm like, all right, let me get in there. Yeah, ASAP. All right, thanks, Byron. Appreciate it, man. Um Philippe Tessier writes what's up man the dust brothers hope the family's doing great from a BTB army member from Quebec Canada what do you think about the Quebec government thinking about applying a tax for the non vac because they are occupying most of the hus- hospital beds down here by the way fucking stoked to get the two episodes a week back um I, you know at first you know even I know I was really super aggressive about it I you know I wish people would get it just because it is true you know as far as like the super sick people um but then you know Applying the tax, this, I don't know, it's just, it's weird. You know, some people are really scared. I just wish that more people had education about, you know, it. Um, it was almost as simple as me seeing like two of my billionaire homies, like rushing to try to get the vaccine from information they have from the people they know and they advise with. I just feel like these guys are taking such different risks. They are not going to be aggressive with certain things. They're going to be super aggressive with other things. But one thing is longevity of life. And billionaires, you know, they didn't get there by accident. It's, it's you know, So it was like, just wish more people knew that they are safe for the most part, you know. Um, Taxium, I don't know, man. It's just kind of a weird thing, man. It's just going to make more bullshit. But I wish more people did get fucking vaccinated. Dexter Griffin from Berkeley, California writes, uh, Hey, band, huge fan of the podcast. As a fellow Korean, you're a big inspiration to me. My question is, what are your top East Bay area taco spots? Happy belated birthday. Bro, I don't have any. I mean, Cordo's is like, okay, they don't really have like taco taco. I mean, they do have tacos, but it's not like the OG, like the, you know, like the standard street tacos. Um, There's a spot in Emeryville back in the day I used to go to, but I don't really have any spots in the East Bay that I could think of, man, and I'm sorry. But go Bears, man, much love to Berkeley, bro. I I wish Telegraph Boulevard or Telegraph Avenue was different. I wish it was like it was in the 80s and 90s. Big fan of yours, uh, Adrian Rice. Big fan of yours from New Zealand. Just wanted to know if you got any stories about meeting and chilling with Nigo, either in U.S. or Japan, in your travels. All the best. Keep the free game going. Adrian Escarian. I met Nigo via my boy Eddie Cruz in the mid '90s. He already had a Ferrari. He was pretty sick. And um, men in Japan didn't realize he speaks no English at all, and he just doesn't have like a lot of emotion. Uh, went to Foot Soldier back in the day. That was the Bathing Ape stores. Um, and you know, just watch this dude walk around chill. Didn't really say much. He just was really quiet and kept. Then I saw Nego again in Shanghai in like 2016, 2015, somewhere around there at, um, at, uh, Yo Hood, which is a thing that my boy Edison started in. You know, I've seen him around him here and there and he knows who I am. And we just really just, I wish I had a great story for you, but it was just kind of just chill. Um, I think I'm definitely going to connect with them more, you know, pretty soon because my boy Steven Victor is doing his album and he's worked with a lot of my boys so yeah, man, that's what it is. Um, Adam Diamond writes, would you ever come to cold-ass Winnipeg, Canada? You brought it up as the coolest place before next to Alberta, Canada. RIP Jonas. I brought it up as, bro. I've already been there. That's why I brought up Winnipeg. My, um, When I played football, I went up there to try out for the Winnipeg Jets. Um, or was it, no, my bad. Fuck dog. That was Edmonton Eskimos. I've never been to Winnipeg. Someone told me Winnipeg was the coldest place. No offense, I hate the cold. (laughs) They're just cold like that. I'm just, I don't know. Give me a reason in an email why I should go to Winnipeg. I just can't. I don't know, man. And the last question is from Sneakerhead509. Um, He writes, Ben, first off, happy born day. I had a question about Legoland. I'll be going April 7th to the 10th. Is there any tips you can give me? I live in Washington State. Tri-Cities to be exact. Where We'll be driving. Any tips will be greatly appreciated. Um, Look, if you wanna save money, there is a Sheraton and a Westin that is literally three minute drive from Legoland. Now, if you don't give a fuck about that, stay at the Legoland Hotel and you can do whatever you want there, boom, you're good. There's a Dave & Buster's in Carlsbad. There's a mall out there, there's all that stuff, but there's quite a bit to do out there. It's pretty cool, you know? And uh, the zoo isn't too far. Um, other, other like you know, SeaWorld, things like that aren't too far. My wife would kill me because she really hates the fact that, you know, there's animals in captivity. But Legoland's pretty lit, you know, it's right there. It's, uh, again, just saving money on that. I would obviously get the passes where you could stay for multi-days. I don't think there's really any hacks as far as Legoland goes. In April, I don't know if the water park would be open, especially with COVID going on. I don't know what's up. But uh, love Legoland. It's it's fun. I was just saying it's a huge difference in price. Staying at the Westin and staying at the Sheraton, you could probably save one third to one quarter instead of staying at Legoland. But Legoland is nice, you know, staying at their hotel. You're like there, you don't have to leave. Or whatever. Um, That's about it. Guys, that is all for the fan questions. That was a lot. I really appreciate you guys. We are going to end this show now, y'all. Peace. Be right back. I got to talk about the captain's picks because you're missing out on making some money. All right. It is such an exciting time of the year to bet and wager on sports right now. This is no cap. I'm being serious with you guys right now. NFL, NBA, NCAA basketball, NHL, soccer, live betting, guys. Okay. All can be done at captainpicks.com. This company has myself as a partner and a captain along with the Dust Brothers and Michael Rappaport. So, You know how we get down on the podcast every damn day in these streets. We've even brought in new captains to man new sports and live betting bonanzas. We view this as investing over gambling, right? And we got packages. Nobody has lower rates in the betting game. Nobody. We are about to revolutionize how betting picks are done, made, sold, Everything across the board. Do yourself a favor. Go to captainpicks.com. Okay? That's captainpicks.com. Thank me. Later. Yo, yo, we are back. Now was a lot of fan questions, yo. Jesus Christ. All right, yo. Shit. Um, but guys, Super Bowl is crazy going to happen at SoFi Stadium, I predicted it, I told you guys, I fucking told you guys that they're going to try to make this shit so that the Rams play at home, I don't know why, I have no idea, it's fucking weird, does that mean next year or the year after they're going to have the fucking Raiders play in, in Vegas, I, I don't know, it's just strange as hell It's what happened, I told you guys, I like Joe Burrow, I like the Bengals, I want the Bengals to fucking upset the Rams, that's what I want to see, so yeah man, Super Bowls is, is going down not really much I want to say about the Bengals. And I thought it was a wrap for them. You know, they were down 21-3, came back and won. Um, shout out to Joe Burrow, man. I think he's he's the future, you know what I'm saying? This is big. Big for Cincinnati, big for Ohio. As far as the Rams game, I thought they were going to crush them. I thought it was going to be 27-10. You know, um, I was wrong. The Niners are much more resilient. They're out there playing literally, and it's like... Jimmy G did his thing for a couple times but really at the end of the day man you know you need a leader you need someone better to take you there and they went way further i mean a million times further and they almost fucked around and literally got to the Super Bowl you know i think that the Bengals would have watched them too it would have been a different kind of weird matchup but i don't know man i would love to see what the Bengals can do um i'm going to fuck around with that and uh as you know i am making the fan of the year uh chain so i'm hosting all that, NFL honors, all these things coming up. My voice is starting to feel a little better. I've been drinking honey and tea all motherfucking day. Uh, let's get to some shit I watched this week. Janet Jackson documentary is a must. I don't know if you like music or whatever. It just gives a lot of history about the Jackson family. Um, my boy Jimmy Jam is in there talking about it because he was such a big instrumental part of her life. Uh, while I was watching that shit on the Lifetime channel, I realized I love watching these fucking old wife, old housewife fucking shows or anything. But there's a documentary about Michelle Lay's life. This is Dr. Dre's ex-wife, baby mom. And I love this girl um, musically, everything. And I was a big fan of her music. And she has a a documentary, which I didn't even know about, called Surviving Compton. And wow. Me knowing Dre and knowing, you know, just things about him and shit that I didn't, you know, that well, I'm going to say that, but knowing Dre. The picture they are painting in this documentary is so fucking crazy and so harsh. Now, I don't mean that it's not true. I'm just saying it is serious. I didn't get to watch all of it because it was like a pre-recorded thing. I might fuck around and rent it. Like, it was that fucking wild to me. It's worth the fucking 4 or $5. Fuck it. So, I don't know. Crazy. Uh, Euphoria this week. Kind of fucking was bugged out. Made last week's episode... Mean a little bit more. Um, I'm starting to lose a little bit of interest in the show. It's a lot of shock factor, done very artistically, and um, I need to see more Angus Cloud. You know, it's cool though. You know, it, it's I don't know. That first episode was so cracking. I just, it just, I don't know. It's, it's losing a little bit to me. Still great, still good. And again, film wise, you know, uh, visually, it's, it's, it's like an orgasm. You know literally, uh, Ghost Power Book 2, yo, this episode was, was good, it's starting to get me really anxious for the finale, because I thought, I'm like watching this thing, and I was like 40 minutes in, it. I'm like, wait, what the fuck, I thought this was the final episode, because someone said there's only two more episodes left, then I watched the show after the break, and I said, wow, they ended on episode nine, can they at least give us 10 episodes, so I went into this thinking that today was the finale for Power Book 2. So it makes a lot of sense. There's a lot of shit that's coming together. There's some fucking uh, conspiracies that uh, Mecca is Ghost's brother because in episode two and one of the first power ever, Tommy said, yo, whatever happened to your brother, that crazy fucking uh, Spanish dude, whatever, Or I forgot what he said. And it made a lot of sense. He's like, yo, I heard you went to the army or something and Mecca was in the army. So if Ghost and Mecca are brothers, man, 50 Cent is just the fucking coldest motherfucker ever ever, it's starting to get real crazy I don't know how the fuck all these train wrecks are like on pause and I don't know what is gonna crash and what isn't, this shit is nuts as fuck I love it, cannot wait for the finale plus, you know um, I didn't see a preview but they're starting to promote uh, Tommy's episode, I uh, forgot what the fuck it's called but Tommy has Power Book 4 so Power Book 3 is, I don't even know, especially for someone such a fan it's fucking crazy but um, it, it was definitely some shit, you know Um, the last thing I want to say before we sign off because it was a fan episode day and my throat's fucked up and whatever but look guys a lot of people talk about age you know you know dress your age that's this blah blah whatever stop using age to gauge any type of behavior other than being immature and even still with, with age you can't you know you can't really gauge that okay don't use age to gauge or measure any person's type of behavior or skill or boundary or even their dress code because nowadays i even see some ogs that are dumb as fuck and they just must not learn enough because they didn't really experience much they didn't really go anywhere yeah they got some street knowledge here and there, but both the fuck I man it's smart to a certain extent but it's like you know demand more out of life you know you think about it some people are like Oh, look at Benny's arguing with the 18 year old. Like, what the fuck does that matter? Either I shouldn't be arguing at all. It doesn't really matter because there's 18 year olds who are fucking who are brighter than a seven year old, smarter, book smart, whatever, certain things. They're more articulate, they're well versed, better vocabulary than some people. Some people can't even fucking spell and they're in their 30s. So you could be 18 and still be a professional. You don't think that fucking Michael Jordan was trying to crush Kobe? You don't think Kobe was out there trying to win against guys who were double his age? It doesn't matter. Experience does though. And age doesn't mean experience because you got guys who've been hovering and literally treading water from age 20 to fucking 40 and have stayed in the same block and not gone anywhere. Then you got a guy who's 30 who's been in 15 countries, interact with this and that. It's like you really can't gauge that age. You know, people say, oh, you know, you should dress your age. No, dress your wage, motherfucker. All right, anyways, Gold Toaster has already dropped. Um, If it's still available, go get it. I don't know. I really can't call it because my IG is a big marketing force. Sucks. Hopefully, I get my IG back soon. I don't know. But my next episode on Thursday features Soul Savvy. This is an app, a website, how to get kicks at retail. It's actually a really, really good interview that drops this Thursday. Guys, we're back to two episodes a week. We are cracking. Thank God I have the Dust Brothers because Jordan and Miles, they, look, I couldn't do this without them. Period, all right? So BTB Army, I love you guys. It's been a minute since I said this, but always remember, this is not your practice life. And today has been a fucking day of all days. All right, y'all, God bless. See you guys on Thursday. Yo, Lakey, take us out of here, fam.